The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we are fighting to be your public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Now, today is a very special pre-recorded program. So, Unfortunately, we will not be able to take your calls and emails live today, although we did send out uh, information uh, before the show to our listeners who are subscribed to the weekly e-letter at regoddess.com, letting you guys know about the topic and that if you had questions, uh, we would be happy to answer them. And we did get a few questions in ahead of time but um, unfortunately you're just going to have to sit back and listen and uh, just enjoy the show today which is about a topic that that you you hear a lot about in real estate investment associations but you rarely run across somebody who is actually an expert in the topic and that is land trusts land trusts are something that Everybody seems to have an opinion about, but very few people can actually uh, explain much about what they can do and just as importantly, what they cannot do. So we brought today the probably number one best known expert in the country on the topic of land trust. His name is Randy Hughes, but you may know him as Mr. Land Trust. He's a longtime uh, real estate entrepreneur. Uh, not an attorney, by the way, and uh, he's joining us today to sort out some of the some of the pros and cons and myths and legends about land trusts. Thank you for joining us, Randy. Thank you, Vina. I'm glad to be here. So, can you can you explain to me and our listeners what got you so interested in land trusts that you ultimately ended up writing a book about it? Sure, sure can. Um... I started buying houses for investment in 1969 when I was in college, and uh, after I graduated, and I, I had accumulated probably 15 houses in my name personally, I uh, took an asset protection course, and uh, it kind of woke me up to the realization that I had unwittingly made myself a target for a lawsuit by titling these properties in my name. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, anybody could go to the, the courthouse records, uh, look up my name, what I own, what it's assessed for, approximately what the debt is on it or what it was when I bought it and financed it, and, and approximate my net worth. 
and that is really really stupid that's just like uh, you know taping a financial statement to your back and walking around in the public uh, where everybody can see exactly what you own and what you're worth and, and the, the, the problem with that and this we're not trying to do anything illegal immoral or fattening here it's just uh, privacy has become so important privacy of, of, of your assets and what you own has become so important because there's so many people out there that want to sue to get rich and uh, instead of working hard like we're doing to get wealthy they want to sue and and the way they do that is uh, they they go after people who own real estate in particular because they're hard assets uh, the attorneys know that they're going to get paid when they sue and win or if they just you know threaten to sue uh, and intimidate you into writing them a big big check uh, so we as real estate investors are huge targets for lawsuits like this uh, because, you know, let's face it, attorneys don't sue, sue poor people. They sue people with assets. Mm-hmm. So I, I started researching it and discovered different ways of holding title. Um, and, yes, I use uh, LLCs and corporations uh, in my business, but not to hold title to the real estate. Um, we use them as beneficiaries on these trusts. And the reason why is that we can look up who owns an LLC, and you cannot look up who owns a land trust. There's no registry for land trusts. So it gives you ultimate uh, privacy of ownership. Uh, and when, when you combine the privacy of a land trust with the asset protection benefits of an LLC as the beneficiary, you get the best of both worlds. Let me play devil's advocate for a minute, because Mm -hmm. you have to be aware. I mean, you go all around the country and talk to RIA groups about Uh this stuff. So you have to be aware that certain magical powers are sometimes uh, attributed to land trusts. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) Uh like, Uh like no one can ever sue you if you have a land trust or you can, you can force, you can force anyone who wants to know who the beneficiary is to put up a million dollars in gold bullion in order to get that information. I mean, things, things that (laughs) just, just made me roll my eyes when I hear them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Those are not true. So let's, let's, um, let's, let's walk through some things here. If, okay. if I own a property just straight up in an LLC, there's no there's no land trust overlaying the LLC, and right. and that LLC has insurance. How is it an extra benefit for people not to know who I am? Because I mean, in theory, if they sue me and something actually happened to them, my insurance is going to cover it, and anything in excess of the insurance, if I did the LLC thing right, they're not going to be able to get stuff that's outside of the LLC. Well, let's, let's uh, break that down. That's a great question, Dina. Uh, first off, read your insurance policy. They have lots and lots of exclusions. So don't assume that you have coverage for everything. Number two, uh, oftentimes these uh, insurance policies don't cover defense costs. And you can go broke defending yourself no matter how innocent you are. Uh, you know, legal fees are just you know, unbelievably high these days. So uh, that would be my first piece of advice. The second piece of advice is, let's say you, it's a covered expense and, uh, and and there's no no problem with your insurance. A lawsuit against the LLC will stop everything uh, going on inside that LLC until the litigation is over with. So if you if you take 10 pieces of rental real estate and title them in your LLC, 
and you have a problem on one piece of real estate, even if it's a problem that, that you ultimately work out to, to the insurance company pays the claim or there's no claim, during that litigation, everything owned by the owner, which is the LLC, is tied up. You can't sell it. You can't refinance it. You're stuck. And we all know that litigation is very fast, right, Zena? <laughs> right. Happens overnight. I'm just kidding. Obviously, it takes years. So the smart thing to do is title each piece of real estate into its own trust so each one is separated and insulated from the other. Then if you have an attack on one piece of real estate and it's tied up for years in litigation, so be it. At least it doesn't destroy everything else you own and control. Mm-hmm. So it just makes good sense to not title more than one piece of real estate in any one entity, any land trust, any LLC, or any corporation. I mean, didn't Grandma and Grandpa teach us, Vina, you don't put all your eggs in one basket? (laughs) Well, you don't put your real estate in one entity either for the same logical reasoning. Uh, Very good. I appreciate that information. And uh, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about land trusts, how they are constructed, who puts them together, what they do, and also answer questions that came in uh, via email prior to this pre-recorded program at askvina at gmail.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing in this very special pre-recorded program. I'm talking to Mr. Land Trust himself, Randy Hughes, about um, the realities of what these entities can and cannot do. Uh, they're they're good stuff, and we're not we're not going to be able to even sort of touch on all the different things that land trusts can do, uh, like make it easier for you to transfer your properties around if that is. Uh, a good thing for you. However, Randy will be one of the featured speakers at the 2018 National Real Estate Summit that's happening here in Cincinnati, Ohio on November 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. You'll hear more about that uh, coming up here on WMKV in uh, future months where you can sign up and also donate to public radio at the same time. Big win-win for everyone. And uh, Randy will have more time both in his presentation there and also just hanging out and talking to people. So if land trusts are something that you have wanted to know a lot more about, you might want to make a plan to be here in Cincinnati on November 1, 2, 3, and 4. Uh, so Randy, we were talking about um, land land trusts as sort of another layer really between you and nuisance lawsuits or predatory lawsuits because if you mm-hmm. if you have a rental and your tenant falls down the stairs and breaks his neck he's he's going to sue you and your insurance company is going to pay him i mean it's not it's not like it right. it's not like lantros gets you out of the lawsuit or something no it just no, it's not going to stop you from being sued uh but what it does some of the benefits that it does do is that uh, any liens or judgments against the beneficiaries of the land trust do not attach to the property in the trust. And uh, let, let me give you a, a really good example here of just how powerful these, these entities are. Um, 35 years ago, I bought a shopping center with a friend of mine, and I insisted on putting that shopping center in a trust. Uh, in the year 2000, my friend moved Uh, out of Illinois where I live and he moved to Florida and was a very successful real estate developer made millions of dollars until 
guess when? 2008. Mm -hmm. Then the world came crashing down. And uh, a couple of years ago, I was sitting at my computer looking at the liens and judgments filed in my county. And whose name pops up but my friend, who's the co-beneficiary of a land trust holding the shopping center. A bank in Florida files a $3.2 million lien in our county in Illinois. So what are they doing? You know, they're just looking for assets to get paid. They think, well, he, 15 years ago he lived up in Illinois. We'll go up there and see if he's got any assets. And they filed a memorandum of judgment, which is like throwing a wet blanket over everything you own in your name. Uh-huh. So point is, if I hadn't insisted on putting that shopping center in a land trust and we had gone on the title together, I would have just lost everything because of something he did would have destroyed all my equity, 35 years of, of hard work, investment, principal reduction, you name it, I lost it if I had not held that property in a trust. So if that doesn't convince you to, to don't put your name on a deed, nothing will. It, it, you know, It's a bad day, Vina, when you lose everything because of something you did stupid, but it's a really bad day when you lose everything because of something somebody else did that's stupid that affects you and your investments. And, and so I, please, though, all those folks out there listening, don't own real estate in your name. Please, please, please. I've been in this business for 46 years. I've seen lots of people wiped out. Don't let it happen to you. And that story is about as good an answer as I can come up with for uh, the, the, the regulators, the government officials, and, and sometimes attorneys who will say, I, I, they've said this to my face, I don't I assume they've said it to yours too. If you, were a, if you were a good operator doing honest business, you wouldn't need to hide your assets. Have you ever no, heard that not one? Not true. Yeah, I yeah. sure have. Yeah, and there's the implication because you're hiding ownership, so to speak, that you're doing something nefarious. And that's not the case. I mean, I, I think that what you own or control, Vina, is none of my business. I, you know, it's just it, I just don't have the right to know what you own and control, and that doesn't mean you're doing something illegal, immoral, or fattening. It just means it's it's private, mm-hmm. and people need to learn to be more private because they give out too much information, and they buy this stuff in their name, and next thing you know, there's a title problem or a lien or a lawsuit or a dog bite or something happens that you don't think is going to happen, and, and it takes you down or, or takes a lot of money away from you. And, and the way I look at it is, you know, we all own cars, and we buy car insurance. And we all own uh, houses and property, and we buy fire insurance. Well, you can't buy insurance on your house when it's on fire. You have to be proactive in this subject. You have to, you have to think in advance, plan in advance. There, there's an old concept, Vina, in, in asset protection, uh, in, in the asset protection world. It's called old and cold matters. And that simply means that you can't wait till you get sued and then run out and put everything into trust and expect it to work for you. It doesn't. You need to you need to be proactive. Do it now in case something happens in the future. Just like you buy uh, fire insurance on your properties in case a fire happens in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. And yeah, this this business of like like it's it's my government's business what I own. Like they have an automatic right to understand every thing that I own is just kind of. I don't know, it sends chills up my spine that they feel that way. Because 
you know, if I if I have a if I have a property that is not being taken care of and it gets building orders, it's going to get building orders even if it's in a trust. You know, it's, right. not, it's not like it's not like the trust right. avoids the building orders, and then they say, "Well, you're trying to hide from us." Well, except that you did send the orders to my trustee, and I received them because that's how this works, and it's right. it's truly none of your business or, or anyone else's. And and just let me before we move off the topic of why people want to use them. Let me just add that um, I watched my father year after year after year after year after year become the victim of predatory lawsuits. Uh, He insisted on owning everything in his own name. When he started his corporation, it was called the Clarence M. Jones Corporation. (laughs) And when when he finally got around to the idea of trusts... He was his own trustee, <laughs> so his name, oh my God. his name, <laughs> his name appeared in the public record, literally uh, two hundred times. Like if you just if you oh. if you happen to hear him, uh, as he often did, uh, telling you how he made his millions in real estate, and this was back when millions were actually millions. <laughs> all you had to do <laughs> was was at that time go down to the courthouse and pick out a microfiche that said was you know Jay and you could you could mm. find out every single solitary thing that he owned and there were some legit I mean if you own that many rental properties people are going to fall down people are gonna you know yeah. things are things yeah. are gonna happen that's why you carry insurance a tree's gonna fall on somebody's car but. Right. He was getting suits over things that never happened. You know, there was uh, there was one one specific one that I remember where the gentleman uh, he legitimately had a broken leg. I mean, there was no question he had a cast on his leg, mm-hmm. but he claimed to have achieved that broken leg <laughs> in in <laughs> one of my father's large uh, multifamilies. The problem was he wasn't a tenant. He didn't know any of the tenants. He, it was a locked building, and he claimed to have tripped on some carpet that was, uh, you know, that was, there were seams uh, in the carpet, and it was clear that he had been in the building at one point because six months before this claim, the carpet was worn out, but it had all been replaced. So he hadn't been in the building at the time at which he claimed that this injury happened. And our best guess was that he hurt himself someplace where he couldn't get paid for it. Yeah, where, where there was drug no... <laughs> himself to, to drug himself to your dad's. Oh, I don't. He didn't even bother. He didn't even bother to, to go there because <laughs> if, if he had, he would have known that it was a locked building with new carpet. So that that sort of thing, uh, you know, you got You got to assume it res- it results because somebody says that guy's got money, and now I just got to find out where it is, right, for yeah. a personal injury suit. So it's I mean it's a real thing. It's not it's not just raging paranoia amongst uh landlords. It actually does in fact happen. So let's um let's talk a little bit about the the structure of the land trust and I know this is this is hard when you don't have visual aids. When you're when you're on the radio right. and you can't show right. your slides and <laughs> right. whatnot. But land trusts aren't entities in the same sense that like an LLC or a corporation or uh, something like that as an entity, right? True. Yeah, they they are technically the IRS doesn't even consider them an entity. Um, uh, there's no tax return, no FEIN number to get, no bank account, uh, and and the really good news is there's no tracking of them. That's really the last form of ownership 
that isn't being tracked by the state or federal government. And, and I think that's a good thing. If, if nobody can track what you're doing, uh, again, not that you're doing anything uh, wrong or immoral, but uh, it, it's just it, it helps you out if somebody isn't tracking every movement you make. Um, there are, as you just gave a good illustration, it's hard for us to understand this. It took me years to, to really understand that there's a part of society that's looking for what they call a paycheck. And that is someone who's willing to step out in front of your car or break their leg on your property or whatever it takes to get some free money. And you won't even know that this happened. You'll just think that, oh, that guy must have fallen down and broke his leg in my backyard or my rental property. And, and, and when the whole thing was a setup mm-hmm. just to get a payday. Um, and, and while it's true that land trusts were not designed to be asset protection tools, they were more designed to be privacy tools. Privacy is really the first step of asset protection, especially for us real estate investors. And and I, I can tell you from firsthand experience how a, a land trust um, became an asset protection tool almost kind of uh, by accident. And, and what I mean by that is uh, about 18 years ago, I sold a, uh, a house that my wife and I and my two daughters lived in. And six months after closing, I got a letter from, from the buyer's attorney saying, uh, my buyer had to replace an air conditioner and some toilets and some wood flooring. If you just send us a check for $8,000, we won't sue you. And I thought, really? I mean, I'm responsible for maintenance after closing? But all it was, Nina, is a shakedown. It's, 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 it's blackmail. They do it every day. And the, the, the uh, typical American would succumb to that write them a check for eight grand because they don't they don't want the hassle or the fact that they might lose more than eight grand in litigation but because i didn't own the house it was in a trust i sent the attorney a letter back and said um hey you know you probably ought to check your files before you threaten to sue somebody because i didn't own the house and we exchanged several letters and the last letter from him to me was uh okay will you tell us who the owner was and we will agree not to sue you And so I sent him a letter and said, tell you what, I think it was owned by some kind of a trust. I don't really understand how they work, but I I wish you a lot of luck. I hope you find the owner. And you know what? No return letter. (laughs) And and that is because it was going to be hard. And these contingency fee lawyers don't like hard. They like easy. And they go after people who own real estate in their name because it's easy to intimidate and threaten and shake them down. Mm-hmm. So just by not owning it in my name saved me a whole lot of time and aggravation and legal expense and sleepless nights from a lawsuit. So these, these you know, it's, it's easy to be critical and say, oh, land trusts don't work and they're old fashioned and all this stuff. But after 46 years of using them, they work <laughs> and they work in a great way. Uh, and that's what I teach uh, real estate investors all over the United States is how to use them, how to use them correctly. Uh, how to how to build a, a trust agreement that's that's solid. My trust agreement's 34 pages long, uh, so it's got a lot of really good strong um, uh, verbiage in it uh, to help protect the assets uh, if if we are attacked. Very but, good. You know, there's, there's nothing nothing worse than working 35 years on something and, and losing it all. Uh, and, and when you face that just one time in your life, you'll realize you, you need to do something about this uh, so it doesn't happen to you. 
We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the structure of land trusts, and then we will answer the half dozen questions that uh, folks sent in uh, earlier, since this is a pre-recorded program. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Randy Hughes, Mr. Land Trust, talking about uh, something that a lot of people have heard of, but not too many people actually understand. Uh, so, Randy, what we've determined is that a land trust is not an entity. And right. what 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 it is that seems, I think the word trust throws people off because they they... They think of those really complicated A B trusts yeah. that estates yeah. set up and really what it is is it's a it's just a contract between a trustee and a beneficiary. True, true. Um they are not officially entities. Uh what we typically deal with being a are grantor revocable trusts. And these uh, land trusts, and the word land kind of throws you off, too. It doesn't mean that you can only put land in it. Uh, but a land trust is a type of living trust that's exclusive to real estate. So a land trust can hold any kind of real estate asset, you know, a house, an apartment building, a commercial building, air rights, mineral rights, uh, options, uh, contracts to buy real estate. Um, so anything related to real estate goes into a land trust. And a land trust itself has a, a lot more benefits, privacy, and asset protection benefits than a standard living trust. And where a lot of people go astray on the understanding of these animals is that a typical living trust, which many people listening to this program may have and have done for estate planning purposes, a typical living trust is what I call trustee-driven that means the trustee makes all the decisions on what goes on inside that trust, buying, selling, refinancing, whatever. A land trust is just the opposite. It is beneficiary-driven, meaning that the beneficiary makes all the decisions on what happens inside the trust. And the trustee merely holds title, doesn't do anything else, doesn't touch money, doesn't insure the property, doesn't collect rents. We just want our trustees to hold title. And that's why we form them in states that have good trust law that only require the trustee to hold title and have no other duties. Some states will require uh, the trustee of a land trust to have duties like to insure the property or collect rents. Um, and, and we don't want that. Uh, we don't want our trustees to touch money or have any responsibilities other than just to hold the title for us. Uh, and then someday we're going to sell the property out of the trust and the trustee will sign the, the uh, trustee's deed. Or we may put financing on the property in the trust, and then we need the trustee to sign the mortgage. The trustee's not personally liable on that mortgage, but because the trustee owns the property in the, in the county records, they've got to sign the mortgage, which is collateral for the beneficiary's loan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're not, from that perspective, they're not as crazy to, to set up and run as some of the other kinds of trust. Like I remember when my parents put together their estate planning trust, it was, I mean, mm-hmm. it, there, there were there was 150 pages that was the trust document. Yeah. And yeah. land trusts, they're yeah. not tiny, but they're sure not 150 pages. No, no, no. In fact, legally, you could have one written on on, on a one page document, and they would they would hold up. Um, but 
they're they're not really complicated. Um, and 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 the good news, Vina, is they're free. They don't cost anything. Uh-huh. You can set and, and and so therefore you can follow my recommendation that you put each property into a separate trust because it doesn't cost you anything. So you know, in the old days, uh, you could maybe create a LLC for each property and get asset protection, but no privacy of ownership, uh, but still get asset protection. But that's too expensive and, and way too time-consuming with all the paperwork to maintain your LLC. So this way you can set up, if you got 50 properties, you put them in 50 separate land trusts. Uh, you can have one or more beneficiaries as your uh, LLC, or maybe a series LLC as a beneficiary of all those land trusts. And, and just save a ton of money. I'll give you a real good example here. I had a guy call me uh, recently, and he said, uh, Randy, I want to get your home study course and learn how to create land trusts. And I said, I said oh, that's great. What are you going to do with it? He said, well, I'm down here in Kentucky, and i got 1,500 oil and gas leases, and some of them go boom and some of them go bust. And so I don't want one to infect the other by holding them all in one LLC. So he got my home study course, and he created 1,500 land trusts to hold uh, title to each one of these uh, oil and gas leases. And so each one was insulated from the other. And, you know, obviously you can't afford to pay somebody to create 1,500 land trusts. And, and he did it uh, on, all on his computer. You just load up the document, and you fill in the blanks, and you hit print, and, and you got it. Uh, no cost, no registration fee, no ongoing, uh, you know, registered agent fees like with LLCs and corporations. So they, they, they're really wonderful animals. They're not the be-all, end-all, but they are a great part of your asset protection plan. And let me let me make sure that listeners heard what you actually just said there. Because you said something about writing it on a, a one-page document and then they didn't cost mm-hmm. anything. Listeners, do not get out a typewriter and start trying to type up your own land trust. They <laughs> they are they they don't they don't cost anything after you have one, but <laughs> you need to you need to pay to get one uh because because I uh, when I first I first found out about these years and years and years ago and I had I called my local attorney who did all my asset protection stuff and I said Okay, so I've decided I need to put all my properties in a land trust. And the first thing he said was, "Oh, land trusts are illegal in Ohio," which should have been my clue. That, that he didn't know what he was talking he didn't about. know what he was talking about and when I when I assured him and it was proved to him that, that was not true uh, he created uh, at that time I think I had 16 of them or something like that and uh, I later discovered because you know I'm a civilian I'm not an attorney I don't know how to read these things mm-hmm. certainly mm-hmm. didn't know how to read them back then I discovered that what he had done was uh, pulled living trusts out of some book someplace and replaced the words at the top with land trust. And what I had was a bunch of irrevocable, way too complex land trust or things that said land trust but weren't not in fact land trusts. And um, the way I found that out was when I tried to sell one of my properties. Uh-huh. And the lawyer doing the closing said, "Well, you can't, you can't instruct your trustee to do this. He has to decide to do this." And I was like, "What?" So, <laughs> so, yeah. Either, either buy one that somebody else is using successfully, or get an attorney who actually knows what he's talking about. Uh, but don't try and invent them yourself. Um, Randy, Good we point. need to we need to go to these uh, questions that uh, these folks okay. were nice enough to send in ahead of time here. 
Uh, Lori says, can you address taxes? Does a land trust send in a separate tax return or does the income get filed on your personal return, which would seem to defeat the privacy issue? Great question, Lori. Let's let's uh, break that down. Uh, number one, uh, the land trust does not file a tax return, no FEIN number. So who does? The beneficiary. So if you put a piece of real estate into a land trust and make yourself personally the beneficiary, then you'll report all your activity on your 1040 Schedule E just like you were doing before it was put into a land trust. No change. Now, if you're making an LLC the beneficiary of the land trust, if it's a disregarded entity, then it's going to be on your Schedule E. If it's a partnership, it's going to issue K-1s. Uh, if it's treated as a sub-S or a C-Corp, uh, you're going to have uh, K-1s. So those are tax issues that you'll want to decide uh, with your accountant as to how you want to structure that LLC. But the bottom line is uh, I, I think it's best to have um, have an LLC as a beneficiary and have the LLC report uh, file its own tax return. That way all this stuff stays off your personal tax return. Now, having said that, if you don't, if you don't like that idea and you want to keep everything on your personal tax return, Lori, you don't have to put the address of the property on your tax return. I know that's that's what the conventional thinking is, but you can code your properties, you know, the orange property, the blue property, the red property. Uh, don't get brainwashed to think that you got to put the exact address uh, in those, on those Schedule E's uh, when you're reporting uh, on your personal 1040 tax return. Uh, so, and I go through in my home study course, I got a whole chapter on how to do this. Um, so everything is, is still very private, even right up to your tax return. Um, uh, I think that, I think that addressed her mm-hmm. issue. Was there another part to that? Uh, no, uh, no, you, you addressed her okay. privacy issue and also where, where does that income land? Uh, so this one's from Anita in Cincinnati. She says, while I understand the concept of land trusts and have recently started using them here in Ohio, I also know that all states have different laws, especially Louisiana, which uses Napoleonic law and the legal system and wording used is very different than any other state. Having previously lived in Louisiana and knowing what I now know about land trusts, I'm just curious, can a land trust be used for real estate in Louisiana and what is the right term for it there? Wow, great question. They're really testing my uh, my uh, knowledge here. <laughs> Uh, most people would tell you, in fact, I used to think this, that you can't form a land trust in Louisiana uh, because it does follow the old French civil law, whereas the rest of America follows uh, English law that has cheated over here you know, a long, long time ago. However, uh, it just so happens that um, next month I'm speaking in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I have uh, contacted uh, people down there, attorneys, that uh, tell me that uh, that you can do it. It's, it's a title-holding trust, and you can create a title-holding trust in Louisiana. Uh, we just got to change a little bit of verbiage around, but they are legal, and they're doing it uh, down there. So I'm anxious to go down and, and speak uh, on the subject because hardly anybody's even talking about it in the entire state because of this misconception that you can't do it. Uh, I Here's the, the way I look at this. There are only six states that actually have a land trust statute. Now, the rest of them, uh, uh, they're, they're legal in all states, but they, uh, there are only six states that have an actual statute. So it's my thinking that when you create a land trust, 
you ought to create it in a state that has an actual statute, no matter what state you live in and no matter what state your property is in. Now, that just might have blown your mind uh, so much that your head just exploded because there's no federal land trust law. It's all state by state. And and there are some great benefits to using an out-of-state trust to hold title to property in your state, no matter what state you're in. Uh, so, for example, I live in Illinois. All my investment properties in Illinois, but I don't use Illinois land trusts. And that's just part of uh, the other thing that I explain in detail when I'm teaching people how to do this, um, uh, as far as structuring your trusts. But uh, some states have uh, really, really good trust law. Uh, Florida, for example, uh, Florida. Uh, three years ago, they amended their land trust statute, and and, and it says in so many legal words. You can't sue the trustee of a land trust, and you can't sue the beneficiary. You can only sue the trust and whatever assets are inside that. Well, that, that's that's a great um, asset protection tool there. So, uh, and, and and if you've got property in California, you can form a Florida land trust to hold title of that property in California. And while it's too involved to explain all those benefits uh, in in this particular program, uh, it it's a it, it's a really interesting um, structure uh, that hardly anybody would think of or uh, or understand and um, it's like I was I was talking to a, a group out in California a couple months ago and in the back of the room was an attorney and he came up afterwards and actually gave me a, a video testimonial that I've got and he said Randy what you just described and and, and um, diagrammed out on the board here uh, I wouldn't go after. I wouldn't even waste my time. He said, I'm an attorney that my my full-time job is to discover assets. And the structure you just laid out, I wouldn't even try to attack it because it's going to waste too much time and, and money on my part, and I don't think I'm going to get through it. So uh, th- this is really fun and cool stuff. Uh, and, and if you build up an estate with, with any sort of worth to it, you need to learn how to protect it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So fairly sophisticated question here from Jonathan. Uh, He says, I'm interested in using land trust to prevent potential Medicare liens from being put on a property. I bought a property on land contract from an elderly couple. They would not give me a mortgage and insisted on a land contract. So let me step back for a minute for listeners who might be new to that term. What that means is... This land contract is different than land trust. Uh, What that means is Jonathan is making payments to buy the property but he won't actually get title until he's made the last payment. It's a contract for deed. It's not where he got title and now there's a mortgage on it. So their name is still on the title is the important part of that story. Uh, He says, maybe I could get them to put it in a trust until the land contract is paid off. I have 11 years to go on this and they're in their late 70s. I understand his concern, uh, Randy, would it help him to uh, encourage them to move this property into a trust in case their own situations ended up uh, producing Medicaid lien, Medicare liens that would end up on the property? Yeah, that's just one of the many reasons to use these trusts. But i give you an example. Whenever I buy a piece of real estate from a seller and the seller provides financing, I always have the seller put the property into a trust first. Because it's just, if you think about it, when you enter into a transaction with a total stranger, which is what you're doing, 
you have no idea what kind of a real person that that uh, individual is. Uh, and they may do crazy and wild things that would uh, cloud the title to the real estate and cause you trouble, even though you didn't do anything. So out of fairness to both parties, we put the property into a trust. And then if they do something crazy or I do something crazy, get divorced, run over somebody's dog and get sued, whatever it is, it's not going to destroy the title to the real estate because it's protected by the trust. So again, any liens or judgments against the beneficiaries of the trust do not attach to the property held in the trust. That's a big, big reason why people use trusts. So yeah, the, the, the land trust would solve his problem in a heartbeat. Uh, Randy, we're going to go ahead and take one more quick break. And when we come back, we've got some more questions from listeners. And uh, I'm going to have you talk about like what the what the most frequently asked questions that you hear about land trusts are. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. This is a pre-recorded program. My guest today is Randy Hughes, Mr. Land Trust. And uh, if you want to know more about land trusts, plan to be at the uh, 2018 Real Estate Summit here in Cincinnati, Ohio, on November 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. You'll be in good company. There will be like a thousand other real estate investors, service providers, experts, there as well and uh just put it on your calendar man and don't don't plan anything over it don't get married that weekend unless you're going to get married at Oria, <laughs> and that would not be the first time that it happened by the way um so so randy um couple of couple of questions here from anera she says how do you change trustees if the trustee you initially cho- chose 35 years ago dies doesn't want to do it anymore etc Great question, um, and uh, let me give you a personal experience story here. Uh, I think that's the best way to understand these concepts. Um, I've had nine trustees die over the last 40 years of using these trusts, and, and when the first one died, I, I kind of panicked uh, mentally, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to lose my property. It's titled in a dead man's name. And I sat back, and I waited and waited and waited, and about a year went by, and I woke up one day and thought, hmm, that's interesting. Um, there's no dead trustee police out there. <laughs> so, and my, and my property is still there. I'm still collecting rents, and it's titled in a dead man's name. So I learned a valuable lesson in that experience um, that I explain in more detail in, in my home study course, the benefits of, of maybe having a dead trustee. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the Hard to serve? They're hard to serve? Is that the answer? They're very hard to serve, yeah. And to sue a trust, you got to serve the trustee, so you can kind of run with that thought. But um, um, the bottom line is you can appoint a new trustee anytime you want, whether they're dead, alive, or disabled, or you just don't like them anymore. Um, If you direct them to sign a mortgage and they refuse to do it, you fire them and hire hire a new trustee that will sign the mortgage. Uh, so it's real easy to do. It's just a simple pay, one-page document uh, where you where you hire a new trustee and you're you're back in business. Uh, so don't worry about uh, your trustee uh, uh, dying or uh, being uncooperative because uh, there are ways of dealing with those folks. She has another question: Should you pay your trustee or not, and why? Well, uh, if you're very active in this business, you're going to own a lot of property. And if you follow my advice and put each property into a separate trust, 
you're going to have either a whole bunch of trustees or a few trustees that are going to be serving on a lot of trusts for you. And whether they charge you or not is kind of a personal issue. Uh, I personally like to use trustees that don't charge me because I'll go broke paying all those trustees fees uh, for my properties. Um, And so I've got a whole chapter in my home study course on who can be and who should be your trustee. And I give you great advice on that. But let me just give you the short version of the answer to that question. Your trustee should be somebody with a different last name than you and somebody who lives out of the county in which the property is located. Uh, If they won't charge you, that's great. Um, And maybe uh, one scenario might be uh, you serve as their trustee on their properties and they serve as trustee on your properties and neither one of you charge each other. From a legal standpoint, merely holding the title and following the terms of the trust agreement that meets the requirement of consideration, so you don't have to pay them. But sometimes you might want to pay them, and uh, there are some asset protection uh, concepts in my teachings about why you might want to pay a trustee. Um, If you can't find somebody to be your trustee under any circumstances, then I provide trustees to my students. Uh, I don't get anything, any benefit out of it, but I, I I do refer them to professional trustees, and they'll charge you two or three hundred dollars per year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very good, Randy. We are out of time, um, and we wow. still had. We, I know we still had one or two questions left, even. So I know that this is a. As I thought, this was a topic that uh, people are having a hard time getting answers on, and uh, maybe yeah. we need to bring you back here at some point in the near future. But we're definitely going to see you here in Cincinnati on November yes. one, two, three, four, and I very much look forward to that. Me too. Thanks a lot for inviting me. It's been a lot of fun. I love talking about these trusts. And anytime anybody wants to contact me, I'll be glad to talk to them. Very good. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.